Hi there, welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. I'm Benjamin Light. And this is Marco Sparks. And today we were talking about S4E19 Shadow Play. This, I don't know, in the pantheon, greatest episodes of PLL ever, wouldn't you say? Oh, definitely. Um, would you really say, like, how many contenders for best episode would you say there are over this? I mean, not more than four. You know, this is a yeah. top five episode for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, it's such a, we were just like gushing about how to talk about this episode without gushing over. Oh, yeah. The, the best episodes of PLL, the hardest ones to podcast because we don't just want to sit the whole time and be like, and then this scene was great. And man, wasn't that dialogue great? And yeah. isn't the lighting great? You know, but we're going to do, we're going to try to minimize that while still pointing out you know, how and, fucking good this episode is. And But with our usual fapping over the actors' performances, we'll also be fapping over writer-director Joseph Doherty, who is responsible for this episode. This is a Joseph Doherty joint. Um, I've always thought that he was like the film noir and crime fiction guy. I mean, if you look at like mm-hmm. his, his Instagram and a little bit of his like writing history, like he's got a few of these up his sleeve. So you can just... It feels like he finally got to do... That well, number is, one thing up his like sleeve. This is the episode that makes me think, what if PLL did 13 episodes a season mm-hmm. and they had more time rather than like their crazy production schedule? Right. What kind of stuff could they put out? Because I feel like this episode's kind of vindication for like all the times people thought this was just like a stupid teen show and like they didn't understand why I liked it. It's like the the writers are actually the writers and the producers, the actors they're capable of really, really high caliber stuff. And I think it's, it's been sub Rosa in other episodes, but like, there's no way to deny it in this episode. Well, and this is an episode that's clearly indicative of like creators who know their show, know their characters, know their world so strongly that they can even blur the lines as to what that means. Well, and it's also a kind of a, an argument against the idea that the showrunners are like controlled by their teen fan base. Oh, I yeah. guarantee you there's nobody in the teen fan base who is like, I really want you to do a an homage to 1940s film noir. Well, yeah, I mean, Arya makes a reference at the end of the episode that I feel like uh, 90%, that's, that's high. I'd say like 65% of the audience didn't get, won't understand, unless their parents are secretly Rockettes. Um, so, or grandparents. Well, before we, <laughs> we jump into that, there were, I was just listening to our other podcasts, I feel like we... We maybe brush over some things that at least deserve a comment or a, a chuckle. Okay. Um, one of them, you know, there's that whole bit where Emily had to get the money out of the poster for Allie. Mm-hmm. Lost in that whole discussion is just the fact that Allie is hiding money inside of a painting like she's a spy yeah. or something. Like, what the fuck is going on there? Like, like seemingly that. she'd hit that money in there two years ago mm-hmm. before she was ever attacked. That's madness. Well, I mean, and some five grand. She's just like, oh, I, I have so much money that I can afford to hide five grand somewhere as like an emergency fund. Well, and with that, if I was like that was advocate, is the question of how many red coats are there? How many of them could be Allison? You know, hiding under the basement, sneaking into the house while Hannah is trying on earrings or what have you. <laughs> Who knows? But or are you saying that uh, Allie went and put it there later? No, I'm just saying we have no fucking clue. <laughs> the only thing would have been better if it was like not just a French twins poster, which there you go for like secret twin theories, theorists, but like if it was like a picture of herself or something. 
picture of herself wearing a mask of her own face. That would be mm-hmm. really just the highest you could go. Sooner or later, we're going to talk about the twin thing. I feel like the time is not yet right. No, but yeah, that's a, that's a discussion that's dying to happen. Yeah, also a discussion that we can only kind of half get into now. Uh, talking with, uh, oh, I forgot their name. We were talking online about Ezra's manipulations. Mm-hmm. This uh, isn't control. Yeah, and, and whether or not he's always been manipulative, I guess, is a conversation. I would guess I would contend that he's much more overtly manipulative in these uh, later episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, where like he's kind of like in trouble. Mm-hmm. But in the past, he's always been, he's very subtle, but he's he's very good at presenting something to Arya as though like, oh, you're, you're going to make the choice here and I just right. want to do whatever, even though he's... He's kind of suggested to her, like, this is the choice that I would prefer. Does Ari have a ton of power in their relationships over the first two seasons? Yes, more than she totally. should. Yeah. But if you talk about the legalities of any well, not 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 getting into legality, just even but, though even though oh, he has yeah, Arya making the decisions, he's very good about kind of f- presenting a, f- a framework of a decision for her to make but that I think- he knows what she's going to choose. The third or fourth time, they had an argument where he, in some way, referred to her as a child, and <laughs> she flipped the fuck out on him. I think Ezra probably got an idea of who he was dealing with. So, yeah, I think Ezra's probably known where Arya's buttons are, if he hasn't always pushed them. But, mm-hmm. yeah, this last rung of episodes, whether it's been because the show needs to present us as Ezra the villain, or the fact that we do know that Ezra obviously has some secrets that he's, like you said, in trouble over... Mm-hmm. And this uh this is at big PLL fans. This is who I was I was talking with online about this. Right. Let me give them that that reference there. Yeah. Um I love I love lately now that not just that we are seemingly getting out to more people, but I love that more people are are it's a discussion we're having. It's a broader oh, yeah. discussion of more people. I, I really like I mean I, I you talk about like how but the presumption is that most of PLS fans are teenagers, which is fine. There's, there's nothing wrong with being a teenager who loves this show for whatever reason you love the show. But I like that we're able to have that discussion. I like how interactive this audience is. I mean, I don't want to go do a whole hour long special about how we love you to death, but yeah, you know, a little bit immersive in social media. Yeah, it's definitely cool. One last point. Um, we kind of like have semi, you know, we don't, we don't have total confirmation, but seemingly, Allie was in some sort of relationship with Ezra. We never really talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, not only does that really reframe Fitz and his whole thing, because mm-hmm. it's like before it's like, well, maybe Arya was just this mistake that, did, but it, and then it was true love and you know, all your excuses. But like, if Allie was, you know, a, a relationship too, then you kind of look like it was a pattern, m- more of a scumbag, you know, already were one, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and then also just the, the ticking time bomb of when Arya finds out about that. Well, that and, will you know, destroy her. One of the questions, I promise it won't be a long thing. One of the questions we were going to get into, and we still will, I hope, in the PLO roundtable is, do the writers and the showrunners, do they like, look at this as some kind of beautiful, lovely relationship that's perfect? We don't think so. We think that they're well aware that this is a scummy relationship, even before 4B, season 4B came along. Uh, to yeah, Arya, it's beautiful, true love. And it doesn't mean that the it doesn't mean that like I, Marlene King, is like English teachers should be allowed to date their sixteen year old <laughs> students. I, I have 
lots of thoughts on that topic, but I'm kind of waiting for one last shoe to drop on the show before we we have this discussion that we've been kind of putting off having it. I mean, we made a lot of jokes, but like the Ezra situation that that's a discussion we should talk about, but we're not quite there yet. Got to go a little bit further. Yeah. Um, so 25 minutes in the episode, let's get into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we it's start only off been an- like 10 minutes. We're, we're, we're doing well. Well, this is going to be like a three and a half hour episode because we love this mm-hmm. episode so much. So, uh, it's all relative, especially in Rosewood. So we start off in Ezra's classroom. It's daytime. It's sometime on the weekend, either Saturday or Sunday. Uh, nice pan across the empty classroom. We see that the blackboard still has the quote from Jack One High on it. How uh, starting a question like starting a stone. Spencer opens the door and in walks Hannah, Emily, and Spencer. Well, the, the thing I love about this shot is that the camera is panning across the room, and just when the door gets into frame, it's way over on the, the right side of the frame. Then we just see in the background Hannah and Spencer and Emily all enter through that door and come into the shot. Well, uh, then this it's very day- interesting. Uh, so you really notice the way sets work in this episode, especially. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And the set design. Uh, this, uh, this, this is one of my favorite parts of this episode. Before we even get to the black and white stuff, Hannah says, "Well, how many gold stick variations are there?" And Spencer says, "32. They'll never miss us." Funny because it's a nice reference to Oliver Goldstick, but Hannah's actually referring to the Goldberg variations by uh, Johann Sebastian Bach. Honestly, you should just go read. Uh, you can still access the first page mm. of Jacob Clifton's Television Without Pity recap for this. Mm. In which his explication of this gold stick reference is going to blow away anything you could possibly come up with. It's it's like the uh, definitive explanation of all the possible meanings of the gold stick variations. So just oh, go read I, that. Oh, I I don't have any like reading into. It. I just thought it was a mm-hmm. nice little reference. But you've heard. Oh, he he goes amazing places with it. So oh, you so all should go read it. You've heard on the show before. Mona was listening to Toby's apartment when Spencer was pounding on the door outside, hoping that what she saw wasn't the truth. Also, Spencer played a little bit of herself on the piano when she was in Radley. Um, you've also heard the song, like, Signs of the Lambs. And also, there's only 32 variations if you consider the theme itself to be one of the variations. That was my, my bit. <laughs> um, Sorry so, to step on your dick there. It's going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. So Emily's on the phone trying Aria, uh, and she tells the others that Aria still isn't answering. And Hannah says, well, what are you going to say if we do get her? Isn't it funny how your old boyfriend turned out to be a st- stalking whack job? Hannah, nailing it. Mm-hmm. Emily says, well, I'd like to know a lot more before we talk to her. And Spencer says, you know, we'll mean just talking to Emily. We'll take this side of the desk and you, Hannah, take the file cabinet. So they Spencer and Emily crouch down going through the desk drawers while Hannah's looking through the filing cabinet. And Hannah's like, what are we looking for? Spencer says, evidence. They're going to need a lot of it to prove to Arya that Ezra is not who he says he is. <laughs> and Emily's like, that he's A. And Hannah says, how are we going to convince Arya if we can't even say it out loud? And she finds a couple, like, lame, Hannah does, she finds these, like, lame coffee mugs in the filing cabinet. Uh, meanwhile, Spencer finds a manila envelope in the bottom drawer. And Hannah says, if I was a teacher and my students only gave me coffee mugs, I would start flunking people. Hannah would be a, a wonderful teacher. Oh, yeah, like a fashion teacher? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the thing that exists in Rosewood High. She's like, what's this shit? And she just throws it on the ground. Like, oh, yeah, I have AP history and then fashion class. <laughs> it could happen. Mm-hmm. This town especially. Taught by Arya Montgomery. <laughs> they could do a time jump, season seven. They're all teachers at Rosewood High. Mm-hmm. Uh... So yeah, Spencer found a middle envelope in one of the drawers. Uh, she opens up and finds Allison's journal 
still oh. with the multicolored sticky notes in it. The others see it. And Seemingly like, just as they left it. Emily's like, tell me that's not what it looks like. And Hannah says, this is Allie's journal. And Spencer makes her whoa face. She, it's like she's almost surprised. Like, wow, that was, you know, that would, I found evidence. That never happens. Yeah, that evidence that I was hoping we'd find here. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, we found it. So they go back into the hall and Emily's like, so that was Ezra at the cabin. And Spencer says, we, we always knew there were two of them. And Hannah's like, Ezra and Shauna? And Spencer says, Ezra and somebody. And they hear like a door open and close in the distance. So they duck back behind a corner and then they do that wonderful liar thing where they all like peek out mm-hmm. and like a perfect line. And they see Mona Vanderwall. Well, so before that, you hear the footsteps approaching. You hear mm-hmm. the high heels. It's awesome because for like a half second there, you really get the question of who was coming here in high heels. The sound is important. I think it ties in a little bit to some of the mm-hmm. stuff in the black and white thing. But yeah, yeah. Mona wearing super high heels. Yeah, those are crazy heels. I mean, those are like five inches or something and with like a big old like toe area too. And a dress that she could have easily taken out of Arya's closet. Mm-hmm. So she walks, saunters right on over to Fitz's door and looks around a little and then goes inside. And Emily's like, what is Mona doing here? And Spencer's like, I don't know. Hannah wonders if she's looking for the journal. And Spencer says, how should I know? Quiet. <laughs> And the camera is kind of like looming closer to that open door. And we kind of hear these noises inside the liar's way. And soon enough, Mona walks back out. She's got uh, what looks like a big stack of papers, like held together by a clip, like one of those metal clips and like a bunch of folders. Mm. And she walks out, shuts the door and walks off with them. And, and it's like, wait, why is Mona stealing papers for Ezra? And Spencer says, maybe she isn't stealing them. And Emily suggests, maybe she's delivering them. And Mona just walks off, seemingly unaware that she's been spotted doing this. What is Mona doing for Ezra? I mean, we know he's been talking to her a lot. We don't really know what's up with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so good Spencer's Kitchen, where the three of them are going through the diary again. Hannah says, shouldn't we be doing this in your room? And Spencer says, no, my parents are out of town being lawyers. Yes. Uh, take that. People complain about where the parents are in the show. So Emily, this episode has a lot of like it really feels like they're in a, a conversation with with the, the, the fans, yeah, yeah. Um, so Emily kind of gives Spencer this look for a moment, and then she's like, "Yeah, that sounds romantic." Out of so town, being lawyers. So she's like, "Yeah, one's in Chicago, the other's in Boston." So Spencer is intently studying that diary. She well, Peter Hastings is like, "Ha sounds pretty romantic to me." <laughs> touring touring the East Coast cockfights. Mm-hmm. Fighting some Irish people in Boston. Uh, so Spencer is intently studying the diary. She doesn't think there's any pages. Well, missing. she keeps like sniffing, uh, yeah. like she has a cold. And Hannah like is crinkling her nose at this and kind of leaning away. Uh, and yeah, so Hannah's just like, "Are you getting a cold?" So just like allergies in November, so, sure. Yeah, Emily asks about the email address and the, fo- the addresses and the phone numbers that came out of the money she found of Allison. Spencer says that she has a reverse directory to handle the number. But they can email the email. I just, she just thinks that they should do it from someplace that can't be traced. This is also mm-hmm. where I realized that Spencer's sweater is two foxes about to kiss. <laughs> yeah, and Spencer kind of trails off. And then she looks up and she's like, what do we know about Shauna? And Emily's like, that she's missing? Because I guess they know that. <laughs> and Spencer says, no, I mean, really, what do we know? And Hannah says, she was with Paige. Oh, by the way, I was thinking... um, you know, Shauna went missing that last episode. The mm-hmm. the obvious culprit would be Ezra, but it couldn't have been him. He was up at the cabin. It just depends on how far he went in his car. 
when he was in his car looking at. I his, just like, don't know because Shauna got like that was way too long. Oh, I agree. I agree. Because I mean, like Shauna, that was still earlier in the day that she got like knocked out and driven somewhere. And I can think of yeah. two other suspects who could have done that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, Emily's like, "Hey, can we like not talk about this?" Because uh, you know, Paige has been brought up, and Hannah says, "I'm just saying, we don't have a lot of details about that." And Emily just makes this face, like, "What the fuck?" And Hannah's like, okay, not those kind of details. I mean, did Sean ever mention anything about Georgia? Something that connects with where Allie's hiding? You know, so, sorry, but that, the thing about with a mystery is, like, sometimes Emily, you know, could give a shit about Paige. And sometimes mm-hmm. she's just like, hey, assholes, that's my girlfriend. Sorry. <laughs> she's a little she like cares. Spencer in the way she manages her significant others. She Rotation. needs them when she needs them, but sometimes... She doesn't need them. Well, but half the time, it's like they'll, they'll be digging into the mystery, talking about Shauna, and Paige will come up, and Emily has this look on her face like, who? Oh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and other times, she's like so fiercely protective. But I think Spencer picks up on that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, uh, where are we at? So, yeah, Hannah wants to know details about Shauna, and Emily says, I thought you didn't want us looking for Allie. And Spencer says, I think A changed the rules on that. Uh, and Hannah says, well, I'm in the same place Emily is. I mean, I'm more angry than I am scared. Even though she doesn't seem particularly angry. Yeah. And Emily's like, so what do you want me to do? Interrogate my girlfriend about her summer fling? And Hannah's basically. like, basically. <laughs> Emily's like, what? Like, Mona Fitz. Like, shouldn't we be talking about that? Let me change the subject. And Hannah says, I cannot worry about anything else. My brain is full. And Spencer says, hers is too. They can tag up on this later. Uh, Arya should be back by then. And Emily just kind of makes this like grimace because she knows she's kind of outvoted here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Hannah and Spencer start to walk off and Emily kind of lingers. So Spencer's like, what? And Emily says, did it ever occur to you guys that we found that book awfully easy? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Spencer's like, what are you thinking? And Emily's like, I'm thinking that if it wasn't A who put that book in the desk. And Hannah says, get real, M. This is all about the anus of things. Nice. <laughs> I love there's just like this like smirk that plays between uh Spencer and Well again the look on Emily's face as she's mm-hmm. like just responding to this magical unicorn that is Hannah. <laughs> and Spencer says, Yeah, I would not have said it like that, but Hannah's right. And Hannah says, I love it when you say that. Yeah. Does that put in a pen for now? So we cut to a dark road at night. Our Ezra and Arya are driving home from the fuck cabin. Oh, I love this scene. Yeah, it's great. Ezra's driving in Arya. I remember they played this as like one of the preview scenes for the episode coming up, and it just fascinated me endlessly. Ezra's driving, and Arya's just like playing with her hair, and Ezra, who's a fan of opening Pandora's box, says, what are you thinking? And Arya's like, you don't want to know. And Ezra's like, try me. And she's like, I'm thinking that it's a Sunday night, and I still have a lot of homework left to do. And he's just like, creative writing homework. Did you do a lot of creative writing homework in high school? I wish. Like maybe one assignment in four years. But to be fair, I also wasn't fucking my creative writing teacher. Ezra's like, all of your assignments, Arya, are just bullshit creative writing stuff that only you get. Yeah, you special special creature. Um, So Arya's like, okay, because it is creative writing homework, apparently. You're going to like this one when I'm done. It started as one thing. And it turned to something completely different. And he's just like, how'd that happen? And Arya says, well, I had this hero. But heroes aren't what they used to be anymore. So I got fascinated with the villain. 
this is so meta what they used to be anymore this is so meta that my head hurts and my dick is hard oh i I love this line um you know and and i feel like this is like just candy to the aria's a people like it's such a a strange thing for her to say she's got fascinated with the villain and ezra almost gulps i mean there's a lot of ways you can read this you can read it as aria's evil you can read it as aria's being she's on to him that she's on him or just she's completely oblivious but now ezra's kind of like Feeling giving bad. new meaning to everything and he says yeah, yeah. does your villain lose in the end and Ari says i'm not sure she kind of shrugs and looks back at the road and she says sometimes the villains win and ezra says sometimes and they drive on well ezra is staring ahead creepy unsmiling but right before she said not sure, like she leans in a little bit and like her dark hair is like on either side of her face. She's like kind of shrouded in, mm-hmm. in dark. Like she's actually the secret sexy villain of the piece. Um, I, I've always wanted Arya and Ezra to turn out to be like an evil power couple. Uh, I think nature demands it mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, so we cut to The Narrow Margin. It's an old black and white movie. It's playing on Spencer's TV. This is the original, not the remake starring Gene Hackman, of course, because the, the TV- Gene Hackman episode is still coming. Yeah, the the TV that is in the kitchen that exists only to show black and white movies and the news. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess the, it's the only two channels in Rosewood. Somehow Toby has like illegal cable where he gets the weather channel. <laughs> they only get like Turner Classic Movies or whatever this is. Yeah. Uh, so Spencer's like going through the diary. She could not look more weary. Um, <laughs> Can we talk about Toby's uh, cable for a second? Of course. Spencer, I hacked the cable. I have the weather channel now. Spencer's like, I have an app on my phone for the weather. Fuck. Damn it, Spencer. (laughs) I could go to jail for this. (laughs) I haven't fixed the toilet yet, but I've hacked the cable. Um, So I love that they just let Tron Belisario act. This is a great episode for just, like, there's other limitations set-wise, but like, there's a lot of just a a strong visual element to this, just letting Mm -hmm. scenes play out and how you witness them and take them in. So, um, She's, she goes to the sink, you know, she looks... Well, she the does the whole thing where she's, like, you can, she's kind of sighing, and she sits up straight because she's tired, and she rolls her neck around. Uh, and then, yeah, soon enough, she's got to go get a her purse from the sink, get a pill. So in the movie, the dame drops her pearl necklace, and some of the pearls... Marie Windsor. Yeah, roll to the edge of the uh, staircase and fall down, landing downstairs at the feet of the man in the shadows with a gun. We mm-hmm. see another man descending the stairs... And as Spencer watches this, she quotes Raymond Chandler from a, The Simple Art of Murder. Down these mean streets, a man must go who is not himself mean. And she pours herself a uh, fancy bottled water in a glass. And she kind of eyes her pill and then she takes it, drinks it down with the water. And on screen, the man in the shadows uh, shoots one of the people walking down the stairs. I think he's a cop. And the, the noise of these gunshots makes Spencer like flinch away. Because uh, she's so tweaked out. And then when she kind of opens her eyes back up, everything is in black and white. Well, it's interesting. It's the two shots from the man in shadows is is kind of puts her on edge. It's the man who's been shot. As he falls back, his gun goes up yeah. and he shoots the ceiling. And that shot, like, snaps her into something else, explodes into her synapses. And there we are thrust into the darkest possible timeline version of Pleasantville. <laughs> Well, it's everything is now in black and white. Um, so not only is it black and white, but the entire costume, makeup, set design, everything is a wonderful pastiche of old school film noir from the 40s. Spencer's yeah. in a, 
a nice like dress type gown situation. Her hair is styled like the 40s. Uh, all the stuff on the counter, their kitchen stuff is all old props. It's great. Spencer will be playing Lauren Bacall for the rest of this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, everything's pretty much been re- replaced as best as they can by its period analog. Uh, the music has changed too. A lot of more like film noir strings. Yeah, um, yeah, it's all high string soundtrack like you would hear, hear in a noir movie. It's wonderful. Uh, we would tell you to like take a shot every time we say film noir, but you'll be in the hospital halfway through. Uh, well, and so the the conceit here, we might as well say now, is that this is all Spencer's hallucination. Yeah. This is what's happening. Everything that's going to happen from here on out in the episode is Spencer's own mind kind of creating scenarios for her. And it's there's plenty of opportunities to think, hmm, that's how Spencer sees this person or that person. In in the like episodic uh, category for uh, uh, experimental, you know, TV shows, it's mm-hmm. it's similar to like Restless, that episode of Buffy in a way, in the sense a that little. it's not it's yeah, it's, dreamlike. It's a holodeck episode, but not quite. It's much more personal. It's it's like you said, it's her perspective on this world as she as she shades this. Um, and then we hear a robot doing their best. Edward G. Robinson from off screen say, "You've been holding out on me." I can't do it. What are you doing? I can't do it at all. Can you? He says, "You've been holding out on me." <laughs> You're not going to try for the Edward G. Robinson, are you? Yeah. No. Uh, Toby's he's standing in the shadows of the hallway. The I can't say enough about the lighting in this episode. It's perfect, like, noir lighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toby's, like, totally in the shadows. Uh, we just see, like, the silhouette of a guy in a trench coat and a hat. And Spencer's like, Toby? Oh, and we should mention, even Spencer is, like, surprised by this noir surrounding at first. For a moment. Yeah, for yeah. a moment. Um, Yeah, Toby dr- steps forward out of the shadow. He's dressed like Bogart at the end of Casablanca. He's even and got he's, the tilted hat. Yeah, yeah, he's got the tilted hat. He says, I wouldn't say no to a drink. Uh, he's got that little gangster lean in his voice. Um, and this, at almost seven and a half minutes, this is our opening to this episode of PLO. Mm-hmm. And then we go to black and white credits. Like, run through like an old projector reel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, after the credits, Toby Spencer is still in the living room talking by the fire. Toby knows that Spencer hasn't been, you know, on the level of him about Allison, but she's that, playing it cool. That fire just makes the lighting look so good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, other like than the like. flickering on their faces. Other than some like lights from the kitchen, it's like seeming like this is the only light source in the living room part. Um, I really wish we could do an impression of his voice in this. It's he's doing something fascinating for Toby. He's not doing that much. Uh, it, it, it's it, his impression of of this old style like really lends itself to like the cadence of the of the well, dialogue that he has d- here. Could you make the argument that maybe this is more like Keegan Allen's like like this is what he should be doing all the time. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's doing movies with he, Franco now. Well, he seems like he belongs in, like, older noir movies. Well, like, so, I imagine the conversation went like this. Doherty sat him down and said, look, Keegan, I'm so sorry. This episode, I need you to have your hands in your pockets a lot. <laughs> and Toby's like, you gotta give me a weird accent. You gotta. And he's like, I can't stop you. Look at that face. <laughs> I can't stop you. Um. So he says, this started out as a job. It's something else now, and you know it. So he says, you're just going to have to trust me. And he's like, trust you? You're spread so thin I can see right through you. And, and he, as he says this, he grabs his ear for some reason. Hand acting. <laughs> Something that David Niven would have done, but sure. Um, and she's like, there's nothing wrong with me. Uh, he well, says he, nothing. He just, he just looks, looks so... at the pill jar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, and the, so... her pill bottle now is now like an old-fashioned like little jar. 
the, but it's the, also prescription pills now. Mm-hmm. Miss Spencer Hastings. She says that they help her focus. That's all they do. And Toby's like, who's kidding who? Who? Yeah. Oh, the, the weird rhyming there. That's all they do. And he's like, who's kidding who? Uh, so then we get exterior Rosewood Main Street in daytime. Well, fascinating that the exterior shot we get here is utterly different than any other time. Beyond the fact it's black and white. It's just the rooftops from a weird angle of like Main Street Rosewood. Well, it's it's like looking from like the, I don't know, eight feet up on the building to the rooftop. Yeah. This oh, like, even the credits, by the way, the the font they're using is like a, a modern serif font rather than the, the typical font they use. Right. But the mean streets of the city and the city itself will expand and grow as this episode progresses. But inside what is currently the brew window brew, Sundra's getting her coffee when Ezra shows up. Her coffee from like an old fashioned like coffee place like there's just like this big weird kind of like steel canister the coffee's coming out of it's going into one of those little paper coffee cups not not the kind that you normally you know not the big cardboard kind mm. yeah and ezra classy guy that he is he swoops in from out of frame dark suit dark fedora he sets down a coin on the counter and he says here let me get that for you spencer's like i can pay for my own coffee he says it's 15 cents i'm good for it keep the change hun he is absolutely, utterly perfect as this smiling, Weasley guy in the suit from the old gangster movies. Ian Harding would have fucking killed it and been a huge star back in the 30s and 40s. He he, he kind of has a little bit of the vibe of uh, Polanski in Chinatown. Like, you could see him, like, sticking a dagger up somebody's nose. Like, nosy guy? Like, he, mm-hmm. he, he's like a handsome Polanski. But, like, Ian Harding, like, would have been caught in some kind of weird sex scandal with Alan Ladd, like, back in the 30s and 40s. Like, he's, he's, that's how much he fits into this. But the Brissa leaves, and Spencer says, you know, thanks. She tries to leave, but Ezra cuts her off. And he's like, that was my way of saying sorry. And she's like, for what? And he's like, to tell you the truth, I don't like the way our conversation went the other day. I don't think it helped either one of us. Um, Spencer, who looks amazing, again, in Lauren Bacall's wardrobe, she says, sometimes I have trouble taking constructive criticism. I perceive it as a threat. With a huge grin, Ezra says, I'm the same way. But it's such a fake grin. Yeah. Like, the, it's the, the non-smiling eyes thing, you know? Yeah. yeah I'm the it, same way. It's like a weird shield that he has. Yeah. He says, uh, have you been back to the Heart and the Huntsman? Spencer says, no, not since I saw you there. And he says, maybe I can buy you lunch sometime. Or dinner. Which is like, you're well, like hitting on her now? Her Her look of him is so bewildered and quizzical. Well, she, you know, because she's Spencer Hastings, she still gives him just the slightest of eyebrow twitches and the, the slightest of smiles as he says this. Yeah. Even though she's pretty nonplussed by it, she can't help but like flirt a little. Yeah, well, I think she's both amazed at the brazenness of this villain, but also I, I think we're still saying that deep down, there's possibly an attraction between Spencer. Oh, this, Ezra. yeah, because this is all in her mind. And she's yeah. like, maybe. And he says, well, let me know what's good for you. And she's like, I will. And he's like, promise? Spencer's like, promise. She tries to walk past him, and he moves into her path. He's like, cross your heart and hope to die. So creepy. And she's just like, she's like, steps right around him and leaves. Well, she goes to the door, opens it, looks back at him one more time. He hasn't turned back to look at her. And as the door opens, you get the old timey car horn outside. There's, there's a lot of like sound design stuff. Mm-hmm. The sounds of the city, which are fascinating. Well, it's amazing they managed to do this episode in the middle of a 24 episode season. Oh yeah, this this had the. I mean, at least it's not a musical. So I mean, just all the props that. they put in. Yeah. Um. 
So we got to Emily and Hannah, who again look fantastic in their period <laughs> clothes and makeup, oh, especially Hannah's, Eshi Benson. Yeah, Hannah's in this big polka dot like dress blouse thing with these puffy shoulders. Uh, it's like white with like kind of gray polka dots. Ashley uh, Benson makes the the best Girl Friday of all. Oh of my god, she's so good in this episode. Shay Mitchell still looks the most contemporary of everyone, I think. Yeah, maybe a little. Maybe it's the makeup. Uh, uh, well, the funny thing about this episode, they're not doing pure like noir. Like it's not just like suddenly everything is one hundred percent a noir movie. Right. It's like. Spencer's imagining all this in this old 40s setting. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it, it's, you know, purely, you know, snappy dialogue. And other times it's like the liars are still themselves. It's an interesting mix. It's probably it's, a lot harder to do than just doing a straight up noir film. There's a part that it feels like it's like silly comedy. Um, and you don't really know because it's a dream, basically. You don't really know what the total rules are. This is, they're mm-hmm. doing the bathroom set here, but it's lushly decorated. There's well, none of them really seem like they're high school students in this imaginary world here. Except for maybe this one scene, which is confusing in that regard. But so Hannah mm-hmm. says, the more I see of men, the more I want to get a dog. Too bad <laughs> there isn't another alternative. She has like a compact out. And Emily smirks at this because she's, she, Emily has an idea of an alternative in mind. Well, cause Emily is still closeted, though, in this scenario. In this, yeah. And Emily says, too bad. And Hannah says, well, I, it's like she's closeted because, like, for Spencer's own verisimilitude, uh, she would be in the 40s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Hannah says, so he just paid for your coffee? Because Spencer's there, too, over, like, by the window. We pan over to see her, and Spencer says, let's a 10-cent tip. And says, on a cup of coffee? What a waste. And Emily's glad that Ari's done with him, but Spencer's like, is she? And Hannah is like, well, you think she started with Ezra and didn't tell us? And Spencer says, show of hands, who hasn't lied about something romantic to the rest of the group? Mm-hmm. A room full of pockets. Spencer says, I rest my case. And Lee's like, you know, what do we do? Spencer's pondering, thinking. And she walks over to Hannah and says, well, you're the president of the Man Haters Club. How would you feel about keeping an eye on Ezra Fitz? And Hannah like almost looks right at the camera and has this wonderful sassy delivery she's like i was born for the job there's a buoyant glee that is so bright and powerful it can Mm -hmm. like light this very room uh so just then um speaking of like something bright and joyful aria comes bouncing into the room she goes in the mirror to start touching up her makeup and she's like morning troops they ask her (laughs) i love that they found 40s dialogue for aria to say that's so aria yeah yeah that's so she calls people troops yeah they asked how Syracuse was, you know, the liars like form their, basically their wall around her watching her do her mm-hmm. lipstick. You well, the, the blocking fine. there is actually really neat in that there's like the, the camera kind of pans over and the other three are like in one line and then they all kind of like move around and shift into another line. Yeah. I wonder how long that took. So they ask if she had a good time with her dad and Ari and kind of a clip fashion is like, yeah, real good time. She seems too chipper, <laughs> like falsely chipper. Spencer asks if she ever made it down to the Erie Canal Museum. Arya falters for a minute and she says it was closed. And Spencer's Terrible like, liar. Yeah, too bad. Arya asks the others, so what did I miss around here? You know, she's got on her black and white stripes, by the way. This is her period oh, garb yeah. version of her occasional homage to Beetlejuice. Oh, and we get the, uh, the, the weird, like, just her looking almost right at the camera shots of where she's touching up her makeup in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Which, it, even that, it feels like some of the shot selection in this even feels more... You know, it's it's old school. It's before they could really move the camera around a whole bunch. It's yeah. more the editing's more deliberate. 
Well, in 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 the sense that some of this camera placement, especially the later parts of the episode, really denotes storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, the yeah. angles really tell you what you're supposed to feel or, or how this revelation is supposed to play out. Um, so they all kind of shrug and say nothing much. And again, well, no, they, Spencer you know, you, does. I love her delivery. She's like nothing much. Yeah. Um, you get that background noise chatter in these sequences. The bell rings, and Arya says, "Well, it's time to go wrestle the world to its knees." What an Arya line. Yeah. So what does Emily, that mean? Exactly. Emily, well, especially since you don't know if they're off to class or what. But it part, seems like they're like off to work or something. Well, we know Hannah has a job later, but yeah, Emily yeah. departs. Hannah lingers to talk to Spencer, and Hannah says, you really have been to the Erie Canal Museum, haven't you? And Spencer says, twice. <laughs> and they hold their, and I love the way they even hold their, their purses right there on their forearms, you know, mm-hmm. very classy ladies of, of the, of the era. So we get a nice shot of the Rosewood streets at night, foggy, it's gloomy. We're in Spencer's, we cut back to Spencer's living room. She comes down the stairs. She's got the phone with the super long cord, long cord. Yeah, it's an old fashioned phone with a really long cord that she's carrying around. The, um, the outfit she's wearing, this kind of like night dress. This thing, is like a Lauren Bacall bathrobe. It's like Lauren Bacall. I wanted to say, I know I've actually seen it in the movie before. I mm-hmm. want to say Olivia de Havilland, but that's horribly wrong. Um, but she's talking to the, it's operator. like a big white satiny bathrobe. Yeah, she's talking to the operator. It's, it's incredibly glamorous. She's talking to the operator who's, she's gotten the Fitzgerald Art Foundation. And Spencer's like, is this Edgewood 50139? Love the old phone numbers. Mm-hmm. The woman says on yes. Spencer again clarifies that it's the Fitzgerald Art Foundation. The operator says yes. And does whom does Spencer wish to speak? She just kind of casually hangs up her phone. <laughs> and then she grabs her pill bottle from that table that she put, sets the phone down on with its long ass cord. And- she gets another pill out and takes it, and then off screen we hear Toby say, I thought you were going to go easy on that stuff. And we look over, once again, Toby's like in the shadows by the side door there. Uh, and Spencer says, haven't you ever heard of knocking before you come in a room? And Toby says, I've heard of it. I just don't subscribe to the practice. You learn a lot more walking in uninvited. True. Those pills, they're not going to help you figure this out. You've already got most of the pieces. What I love this too is that he says that where Spencer is, she's well lit. To confront him, she has to walk through shadow mm-hmm. to get up in his face. You're gonna see that a lot in this episode. Well, and Toby's really—he's kind of like the avatar of like the I don't know what would be the, the super ego part of her personality. I guess. Uh, kind of like interrogating her and forcing her to like solve this mystery. So- well. And and also too, it's this living room is kind of like the physical stage of her mind as she wanders around it. Mm. These ghosts that confront her in this hallucination can only like say something from off screen to be conjured into existence. So she says, "Suppose you tell me how everything fits together." And Toby says, "I thought you were the smart one." And then in the like sexiest voice imaginable, she says, "I am the smart one." And then Toby looks up. He's a little surprised. He says, "When did that get here?" And they turn around and we see he's looking at this very big, very lifelike portrait of Allie. It's giant. It's she's Allie's all gland up in it and it's hanging right over the fireplace there. And yeah. Spencer's like, she sees it. She's like, I have no idea. Like this giant ass painting of Allie just appeared. Probably mm-hmm. lifelike giant mm-hmm. ass. Yeah. Um, Toby's like, all those pills, Spencer. Not good. He walks closer to the portrait. He swallows hard. And then he says, almost looks like she could step right out of the frame and kiss ya. Or laugh in your face. Spencer Probably says, laughing in your face, Toby. Yeah. Yeah. And Spencer says, suppose she did. Step out of that painting. Suppose she was alive somewhere. 
Toby looks at, at her like he's picking up on something that she's you know not just talking out loud to herself. And he's like, you trying to tell me something? She puts her guard back up and says, just asking. And Toby says, not much chance of that, is there? He turns back to the, the painting and Spencer is like staring at it intently too. And again, it's like the ominous legend of Allison looms large, mm-hmm. literally over Spencer. Yeah, then we get a crossfade over to Mr. Ezra Fitz. His coat is off, so he's just like, you know, suit and suspenders. Uh, he's, he's like on his balcony, like looking out at that, that crazy Rosewood night. Mm. And well, then, you know, it's crazy Rosewood night because there's some sultry saxophone playing. Oh yeah. And then out of frame, a hand suddenly reaches in a female hand and hands him a little highball there. And we camera pans over. You see, this is Mona who's looking amazing mm-hmm. in her, like, uh, it's like a, almost like a ballroom dress. I mean, I don't, I don't know how to describe that, but. It's this like fancy shiny dress with like big beads and her hair's all done up. She looks awesome. Mm-hmm. And so they just both stand there like these like evil villains. It's like, you know, Darth Vader and the Emperor here just like watching the nightlife. And then he walks all back. that the uh, all that the darkness touches is theirs. Yeah, he he takes a drink and walks inside. She stays out a bit longer, like looking out. And then she walks in and closes the drapes behind her. Ooh, what are Mona and Ezra doing in Spencer's imagination? Keeping the vigil over the city. But down on the street, we get a guess what they might have been looking at. As they see, Hannah has been up against the side of the building watching all this. I love that we kind of we go in on her, like, passing the brightly lit sign as we go to... again. Well, and she's got, like, a pillbox so hat on. <laughs> yeah. And so with disgust, she says, men. She <laughs> shakes her head and makes the greatest Hannah face ever. I know. Um... So we got to Spencer relaxing in a chair, surrounded in darkness. Uh, this is this this sequence particularly. It's you know especially playing into this is all in her mind. It's really like well lit, like we're in a play. Uh, she's well, yeah, it's very table. theatrical. It's like it's her on this little lounge or the end table next to her, and nothing else. Pure darkness behind her is. She reads Allie's journal. She slipped into the pages of Allison's diary, and she comes up to a story called The Mermaid. Then behind her, a light comes on, revealing. Emily and Paige at a table together enjoying drinks. Um, we see then the reverse of Spencer watching. Spencer, is, we see behind her, she's clearly in her bedroom. But so now hallucinating happened. Emily and Paige at the brew. Because uh, yeah. the, the story of the mermaid's about Emily. So now, you know, Emily has been conjured into being. And she's having a conversation with Paige here. And Paige says, why are you asking me about Shauna now? That's a long time ago. And Paige is like doing this kind of like smoky voice through the whole thing that definitely works. Well, Lindsay Shaw, like her, her whole look works for this episode. For this, yeah, her hair's in like these crazy curls to the side. Uh, it's dangerously close to Whoville, but it works. <laughs> uh, and so Emily's, Emily's like, well, not that long, which is true. It's been two seasons, sure, but it's been just about what three, four months. So Paige is like, look, I told you to happen. I'm sorry. And Emily's like, I'm not asking you to apologize. But then why are you asking? And they both look down and then Paige kind of gets dark. She's like, I thought about you when I was with her. I can't believe I just said that. That's what a boy says when he cheats. I almost feel normal. Which is like everything they say in this episode is so loaded with like double and triple meaning. Yeah. I mean, you can unpack that one for a while. Yeah. Emily reaches over and takes Paige's hand. and they're, Tries they're, to. Well, they're both wearing gloves. She kind of just sets her hand on top, and they smile at each other, but then Emily pulls her hand away because she looks up, and the, the barkeep has been watching them from the counter as he's well, wiping the counter down. The ruined brew is now a bar. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, like, watching these two suspicious dames. And Paige says, well, maybe I should go first. And Emily says, well, I'll go first. 
Paige says, I don't mind. And Miss says, you always leave first. Aren't you afraid that people will notice that too? And Paige says, I have to leave first. Emily asks her why. And Paige says, because I can't stand to see you walk away from me. And it's funny how Paige's usual heavy-handed romanticism, which is not really out of place amongst teenagers or in a high school drama, is also perfectly suited to this time frame and this type of story. Well, and, and Spencer writing some like epic Paley fanfic in her mind here. Oh, yeah, yeah. She is shipping the fuck out of these two. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily's like, well, I see you later. And Paige's like, I don't know. She gets up and leaves, and Emily just watches, like, yearning deeply. Yeah. Um. So, cut to the Rosa Streets at night. We start on a pair of feet, woman's feet, Mona's. Again, it's that, that click-clack of the high heels, similar oh, this, to she's walking down the hallway to Ezra's classroom earlier. This is a, an awesome sequence, and I, I'm pretty sure it's referencing something. I just uh, can't think of what, but it's just basically, like, it's, like, Mona's feet, and then Mona walking in a, like, ridiculously fabulous, like, huge fur coat. Uh, and then we see more feet walking. These are Hannah's feet. She's walking behind. And it's like all this kind of like back and forth cutting between like feet walking, like footsteps, you know, well, like their faces, footsteps, their faces. Mona passing through shadows, clearly aware that she's being followed. She seems mm-hmm. cool, confident, but also a little annoyed. <laughs> she comes yeah. around the corner. Hannah comes around the corner to or pauses for a moment studying. And then she continues her pursuit. Around well, it's because she the footsteps stop. She can't yeah. hear them ahead of her anymore. So. She pauses and then rounds the corner and there's no one there. And she happens to stop right in front of uh, like a storefront with a lot of mirrors in the window. Mm-hmm. And then this totally amazing shot where Mona approaches from behind Hannah and we see her face reflected perfectly in all the various mirrors. I mean, there's like eight or nine of them. All these shattered fragments yeah. of Mona. And all these different Monas at the same time say, lose something, honey. And Hannah like spins around and sees Mona and her eyes narrow. Well, yeah, her eyes narrow. She's been bested. Uh, I would not be shocked if in non-hallucinatory Rosewood, which I don't know if that even exists, if there isn't like the Rosewood Mirror Store. <laughs> <laughs> so over that, we hear the ringing of a phone. Light flicks on Spencer's room. She reaches from the ringing phone for the ringing phone to answer from her bed. She says groggily, "Hello." We, what do you call this kind of split screen? I love the split screen from old the old movies where it just pushes in because now Mona's on the phone. Yeah, and it's it's a little bit jagged. It's like yeah. The, it's like this was back when they actually just like, you know, got out like uh, some scissors or, or like right. some paint or something to do this. And Simona says, there's a blonde package waiting for you. A part in 3B. You know the address. And Spencer's like, Mona? And Mona says, better hurry up while she's still breathing. And with this like adorably evil smirk, Mona hangs up the phone. And again, so now Mona's like side of the split screen like fades away because she's no longer on the phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, and Spencer urgently jumps up and heads like, out. Like, why, why did they stop doing that in movies? Like, that was, I remember when I was young, that was such a common thing, the split screen, but you almost never see it anymore. Well, you know, what's funny is that growing up as a kid, you know, I lived with the video store. Like, mm-hmm. what my parents got when I got old enough, whatever I could rent videotape wise, whatever was, you know, available to me. But, like, when I was left to my own devices to watch TV, I remember I probably watched equally half the time black and white movies as i did there used to be a lot of black and white on tv yeah yeah yeah, i mean i i used to love back when uh um uh i forget what channel off the top of my head that Mad Men's on amc AMC. remember back when that was like the classic i mean literally the american Mm -hmm. movie classics yeah bravo used to play like classic art films and, and stuff too yeah um but i also want to say real quick too like i love that that doherty he's He's using homages in a way that fits the story. I mean, sure, he's getting a lot of perverse glee out of it. But mm-hmm. it, like again, it's these type of homages, these, these old things that he's using, he's picking up from these stories. 
it benefits the storytelling nature here. It's not like a Tarantino thing where it's written towards the homage for no reason at all, you know? I mean, it really feels like he's just nailing the the kind of the soul of a noir movie. Yeah, yeah. Not not just the aesthetics. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we cut to the hallway outside Ezra's apartment where we were at the end of the last episode. Apartment we see his door 3B. there. Yeah, Spencer knocks on the door. Mona opens the door, and we can see Ezra behind her standing in the background in shadows. Uh, well, Mona, Mona does this thing where she, like, looks Spencer up and down and yes. then, like, side, like kind of, you know, rolls her head a little and lets Spencer in. Yeah, so we see that Hannah's sitting there on the couch. Spencer comes up to her and says, you all right? And Hannah says, never better. Ezra, obscured in shadows, says, when you put a tail on somebody, you shouldn't trust it to an amateur. And Hannah says, I am not as used to walking the streets as Mona is. And Mona says, come over here and say that. It's a period accurate burn. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, Mona, so Mona kind of mouths off. And Ezra says, Mona, how about fixing our guests some drinks? <laughs> uh, and Mona like sulks over to this old kind of metal pitcher and forces a smile. And, In the kitchen, and, yeah. and then Ezra says, my own juice blend. Made me what I am today. He just Which, makes that sound so creepy. It's so weird that we have to be doing this right around the time that, like, there's this one, like, asshole, like, Gamergate guy who's a lawyer who sells mm-hmm. juice drinks. Oh, like, yeah. it, it totally just matched up. Like, Ezra is, like, some, like, asshole misogynist. It, it all works. His own juice blend. Oh, I feel like uh, season 4B Ezra, he's probably supports Gamergate. And Spencer says, I thought you only drink board shorts ale. And he says, when I can get it. And Spencer turns to Hannah. She's like, you thirsty? Hannah says, not especially. And Spencer says, then let's blow. I love that. Seats Hannah. So they get up to leave, but Ezra has some questions. He says, how come you had this one camp out on my doorstep? Spencer says, you piqued my interests. He says, about what? And Spencer says, you and Arya. Spencer wants to know what about him and Arya. And Spencer says, are you back together? And Ezra says, true love, honey. Just can't kill it. And Mona, like, audibly, like, snarks, yeah. like, snorts as she's pouring a drink. And Ezra goes, Nix! Because <laughs> he's so commanding. And Mona, like, drops the grin. Well, Spencer comes in close, horn stabs. Um, Spencer says, I'm only going to tell you this once. Leave Arya alone. And Ezra says, well, if that's what you want, why don't you just tell her about me? Tell her who you think I am. That should fix everything, right? But you haven't. Why not? And this hits Spencer hard. Hannah kind of has to step in so that Spencer isn't hypnotized of evil. And Hannah's just like, Spencer, let's go. And it says, I'll tell you why if you want me to. It's that you're not sure. You're not sure about anything. You're in over your head and you know it. Spencer Meta. Says, yeah, Spencer says, I know what I'm doing. And Ezra's like, really? Look around you, Spencer. Look around where you are right now. Tell me you're not cracking up. This is like Spencer's own self-doubt talking to her. Yeah. Uh, Fitz turns away. The girls go to the door. But Mona's standing in the way with a drink in her hand. Once well, Ezra's receded back into the shadows. Mm-hmm. Once again, looking amazing there. And uh, Ezra says, let him go. And so Mona steps aside and Hannah grabs a carrot stick out of uh, Mona's drink there. And she says, thanks for the buffet. And they, they peace out. And Mona looks back at Ezra and she says, I love the way she's holding the drink out, like with a cocktail the whole time. She says, I want you to know that was the last carrot stick. <laughs> The line delivery, not only could the line delivery not be more perfect, there are so many levels to that meta statement. Well, you watch this episode and you're just like, I just want to see all these actors do like a total noir movie like all the time now. Like yeah. they, they're all so good at it. 
Yeah, I want to see like Trisha Doherty's like you know uh, small run L.A. like noir broad or noir Hamlet episode or whatever mm-hmm. that he does with these actors. Um, but yeah, I love. There's so much that you could just enjoy from that was the last carrot stick. Well, Mona is like a perfect mall. Yeah, like uh, the gangster mall. Like she 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 nails it completely. Yeah. So Ezra checks his pocket watch because, of course, he has a pocket watch. <laughs> and Mona just does. like stares back at the now closed door very ruefully. So he cuts a car driving at night. Inside, Spencer's behind the wheel. Hannah's riding shotgun. And Hannah's like, what is it with men? Why do they always turn on you? Spencer, Spencer says not all of them, even though I don't know if that's necessarily true. Yeah. And Hannah says, is because they wear hats and the blood gets stuck in their heads? That's such says. a Hannah line. Spencer's like, I don't know. And Hannah's like, you know, I heard that's what causes baldness. And Spencer, like, it's more contemporary Spencer. She's like, Hannah, not helping. And Hannah says, well, I got you out of the apartment, didn't I? Spencer says, yeah, you know, thanks. Some rescue team I am. And Hannah says, are you okay? Spencer says she will be. She traced that number in Allie's list. It's Fitzgerald Arts Foundation. And Hannah's like, Fitzgerald doesn't fits. That's right. And so Hannah's like, you think Allie called that number? Spencer says, well, I figure you're the one who works at the switchboard. You could be the one to find out. So Hannah works at the switchboard. Hannah's so excited. So swipe cut. From a chandelier, we look down on Orion Page, which uh, I think we've only Possibly like, seen. Possibly their the... first scene together alone. Yeah, definitely maybe. alone. Um, yeah. Sitting on a couch in the middle of what I think is the gussied up ladies' bathroom. Arya is showing Paige how a camera works. And then she tells Paige that when she's done with the role, she takes it to the drugstore, and a week later she has her pictures. Paige <laughs> thinks that's just great. That's how it worked, believe it or not, kids yeah. out there. Yeah. Uh, Arya asks And you didn't even know if any of your pictures were going to look good or not until you got them back. Well, and there's always some of those. Well, that's another story. Um, so, you know, Arya asks where she's going. Paige says she's going to the, I believe it's the Delaware Water Gap on a canoe like trip. Canoe trip. And Arya's like, oh, by yourself? And Paige's like, no. Not alone. Emily said she'd come. And Arya has a little bit of a, oh, look in her face. And then a little bit of a, well, I never. Well, she, she, says, says, she says, Emily, I don't think of her as a tomboy. And Paige is like, she isn't. And then more just fascinating multi-level dialogue here. Oh. Arya says, I used to be a real tomboy. I would spend more time in a tree than in the, our front yard than I would in my own bedroom. And Paige is like, what changed? Kind of like. It's like Paige's kind of wondering where this conversation is going. Yeah. And Arya's like, I don't know. Yes, I do. <laughs> I fell in love for the first time. That's when I lost all my interest in tree climbing. Tree climbing, in quotes. And Arya's like, I guess you just grow out of it. And Paige just kind of like nods very fakely. And she's like, yeah, that's what they say. And Arya leaves and Paige kind of contemplates, number one, how awful Arya is. Number two, maybe if she could fuck her. I don't know. Well, it's funny because, you know, Paige is holding on to a secret here. The secret is who her, she is deep mm-hmm. down. She's also coming to grips with what an egomaniac Arya is. But also, Arya in this scene is acting like she's a woman in her 50s. Well, uh, and, like, does Spencer think Arya might have, like, possibly, like, had it had it in her to be a lesbian? Well, I wonder if there's that or if, like, pink hair Arya in Spencer's mind was mm-hmm. something of a tomboy. You know, and, and well, I, I guess I'm I'm reading all their talk of tomboys and tree climbing as like, you know, interest in other fucking, women. Yeah, I, quite possibly. Do you think Spencer and Arya had a thing? Is that where all your slash fiction begins? Oh yeah, yeah. But Paige, you know, as Arya leaves, is is left with the dread of her own situation in life here. But we can't say enough about Lucy Hale's her her line delivery there. I don't know. 
Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, it's it's I so fell in love for the first time. It, Paige is just like barf. <laughs> but there's she puts so many like levels of meaning or potential meaning to be read into on it. Uh, so we got to the Rwanda bars. We're into Rwanda brews, and still now a bar. Ezra's there and has a beer. This is definitely the next day, I think, from the stuff in Ezra's apartment. I, it doesn't even matter. This yeah. is all dream dream world. Ezra is um, drinking with Toby. And he's he drinking for short sale. I don't know if you notice that. Uh, he says, I'll tell you what I know about people. They're no damn good. Everybody's <laughs> out for themselves, and that's the simple truth. Toby's drink is just like hovering in front of his like haunted, rough ankle, rough angled visage. Seeing these two together reminds me of those scenes in Friends when like Joey and Chandler would hang out with Tom Selleck. And oh, it yeah, there you apparent go. that there's a huge age gap. <laughs> And Toby says, if I'm no damn good, then why are you talking to me? That's better. And Ezra says, because we have something in common. We both know what happens when a man lets a skirt get to him. So many LOLs at that line. Yeah. Can't let a skirt get to you. And Toby says, he makes mistakes, walks into trouble with his eyes wide open, and ends up in trouble all by himself. The look on his face, like like Ezra's face, is like, geez, take the hard boiled down a notch, Toby Cavanaugh, <laughs> teen detective. This conversation is basically just like, bitches. <laughs> and so Ezra has some information that might uh, help Toby with all that trouble, and Toby wants to know what that information is going to cost him. Ezra says, consider it a gift from one lodge brother to another. <laughs> and Toby takes a drink and he leans in, and Ezra says, Allison De Laurentiis is alive. And Spencer Hastings knows how to find her. And Toby says, Allison De Laurentiis is dead. And Ezra responds, says who? Toby and then Hastings. we get like a like old-fashioned like soundtrack cue, like the high strings come in. Yeah. Know, big high strings. This revelation here. Oh, Toby's face. Uh, so Spencer's kitchen. Spencer comes in the side door, which I feel like we haven't seen anyone come in that door in a long time. Mm-hmm. She goes to the counter by the sink, probably get more pills. She kind of like leaves the pill bar- jar open there. And then we hear Allison's voice off screen. It's a good likeness, don't you think? Spencer looks over and sees that Allison is standing under her own portrait, looking exactly like she does in the portrait. She's wearing the same outfit with the same haircut in the Almost, same pose. Yeah. I want to reference Carlotta Valdos here, but really, it's Laura, the Jean Tierney film. It's Laura exactly. Um, Allison says, he did a wonderful job. I should have been nicer to him. By the way, I think Laura might have been on Spencer's nightstand earlier. Makes sense. Um, mm. So Spencer marches over to her and asks why Allison didn't tell them about Ezra Fitz. And I says, it makes me angry, though, the portrait. It'll always look like that, but I won't. And with a smile on her face, she says, that's why it's smart to disappear. You'll always be the girl in the painting. And that is Imitali, my darling. I, I, love, would... I love that we get Allison to come back and say her, her classic line again. Yeah, one of her signature lines. Mm-hmm. I also like to think that Allison would probably love to read Oscar Wilde and quote Dorian Gray to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so Spencer's like, were you watching? Did you see him go after her? Why didn't you warn Arya? And then Allison classically says, no woman has ever been able to warn another woman about a man. Spencer says, is he who you're afraid of? Is that why you can't come back? Can I just get one straight answer from you about anything? Yes. And there's this great shot of the two of them like facing off in the foreground at the the photo. The, the portrait like looming over them in the background. Mm. Uh, yeah, can you get just one straight answer, Spencer? I kind of doubt it. So Allie says, and what would be the fun of that? And Spencer says, I swear, if you don't stop it right now. And Allie says, this, that is a scary look, Spencer. Maybe you should be the one I'm afraid of. Spencer says she's just trying to figure this out. And Allie says, you have all the pieces, so why can't you put them together? 
Maybe you need a little more help from those special pills. Do you have enough? And what happens if you run out? And then she's like grins like a mad woman and just starts laughing and cackling. Well, Spencer freaks out as the hallucination within the hallucination is giving her shit about mm-hmm. her pill addiction. Well, and also there's a the suggestion there, and this has been one of my favorite longtime theories that Spencer is the killer. Mm-hmm. And Allie's suggesting maybe Spencer is the one that she needs to be afraid of. Well, and when once she actually verbally said that to her there was an incredulity to spencer's face but also like mm-hmm. a touch of actual concern yeah worry yeah uh and and of course this is all spencer's subconscious so she's accusing herself perhaps of having something to do with Allie's disappearance mm-hmm. and so she runs over to her pill bottle because Allie mentioned it and she accidentally knocks it into the sink and the last pill goes down the drain and so we get this whole sequence where she's like reaching her hand like far into the garbage disposal trying to get this pill out. Meanwhile, we cut over to the switch for the disposal, and a shadow goes over it, like somebody's there. And it's this tension. Yeah, she keeps her hands still all the way down that drain, and there's somebody by the switch. What's going to happen? Well, we see, as she struggles, we see that blurred Allison painting over her shoulder in the background. Hmm. And then uh, Toby grabs Spencer's wrist and pulls it out of the drain. It was just him the whole time. He says, snap out of it. And Spencer says, look, and she points over to where Allie was. But now, of course, Allie's gone. Just the painting remains. And Spencer's in shock. She just throws her arms around Toby and he hugs her. And Allie's painting watches. Judges. Looking perfect. Laughing. Yeah, looking so real. After the commercial, Toby leads Spencer into interrogation room. So Toby's like a cop. It's almost like Spencer's kind of fashioned him onto the Wilden role in some way. Kind of, but he's like her friend. A little bit. Um mm-hmm. He tells her to sit down. He sits at a, she sits at a table with a lamp near her face. Toby remains in the shadows. There's a picture of two glasses there by her. Well, this is like the classic like cop interrogation room. You know, the lights we uh, sweated totally out, yeah. on Spencer, yeah. Uh, so he says, is Allison alive or dead? Spencer says, she's dead. Everybody knows that. Toby's like, that's not what you said before. And she says, I was confused. And he's like, confused about her being dead or confused about telling me the truth? Just and confused. Says, and he leans in and says, Spencer doesn't get confused. Spencer's the smart one, maybe smart enough to get away with murder. Hmm. Just a little smile on her face and says, maybe. So now, like, Allie, Allie in her subconscious brought it up. Now Toby is bringing it up. Maybe Spencer's smart enough to get away with murder. Or maybe smart enough to help Allie fake the whole thing. Or maybe she tricked you into helping. You ever consider that? Yeah. And then back at the Fitz Palace, Arya and Ezra are sitting on his couch drinking champagne. And the lighting is great here. Where Arya is totally lit, and Ezra is completely in the shadows, even though they're right next to each other. Was it like a like a zebra skinned rug hanging on the back of the couch or whatever that matches her outfit in a way? Yeah, and so they're drinking champagne, not out of champagne flutes, but like uh, oh boy, I don't know, just wider glasses. And Arya says, and this has got to be some sort of like inside joke from from the writers. Arya says, "I always thought champagne was the most sophisticated thing in the world." which is so hilarious from Arya. And Ezra says, well, it isn't. You are. And they clink glasses. Oh, this is... You're so fucking sophisticated. Like, Spencer is, like, throwing shade all over Arya and her imagination here. Well, it's this is almost as bad as watching them shove chocolate cake into each other's faces. <laughs> but it's better, though, because this is what Spencer imagines yeah, Arya yeah. and Ezra are like. So then the, the jovial nature of these sophisticated sons of bitches, like, subsides. And Arya says, I want to tell my friends. About us. And it says, that's a big secret. You sure you can trust them? And she says, I trust them with my life. I have. 
and he you know the the shades of him manipulating her come mm-hmm. on and he's like do they trust you she what do you mean needs. and she says i mean you want to tell them everything about us but do you know everything about them do you know all their little secrets Arya says she knows the important ones. Well, he, he takes her glass away. And it's like the scene went from like Ezra being frivolous to being sinister to faux seductive. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the taking the glass away, it, there's two. I mean, you could read it as like it's it's like business time. And so he's setting her glass down because he's making his move. But there's definitely an element of control to it. It's like, oh, you don't need this anymore. Right. And he says, I bet I know one of your secrets. And she says, I bet you don't. And he leans in. We get a close up of her, his lips right in her ear. And he says, Allison's alive. And then another close up of her eyes going wide, like her huge eyes going super wide. See, that's what I mean. Is that's a shot that would only exist in like film noir movies around that area. Mm-hmm. But like, it, you know exactly what that shot means. It's a part of the storytelling. And it's, I love it. It's, it's such, it's so like, I, I would love to see what the actual like shooting script for this episode looked like. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Um, so I got to Hannah working the switchboard, which, oh, well. Well, we got some zany kind of like swing music and drums playing. Yeah. Uh, she like, she's taking calls on the switchboard. Her this ankles is almost, like rocking back and forth as she works. This is almost as good as watching her reading in bed. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like smacking gum. She's a switchboard girl. Uh, Ashley Benson just like totally knows how to play this part. She's having so much fun. You can tell. Yeah. Uh, and she keeps on, like, people keep calling in. She's just like, just a moment, I'll connect to you. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, plugging the various cables into the switchboard. And then she plugs a cable in and she's got like this giant ass, like, headset on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Things gigantic. And she says, listen, Mabel, I'm trying to track down one crummy phone number. Of How course many favors? It's Mabel. <laughs> yeah. How many favors have I done for you? Remember those three sailors? LOL, LOL. All right. LOL. And she's like twirling her pencil and smirking. And she says, so this, a place like this Fitzgerald outfit, they send all their night calls to an answering service. I want to know which one. Terrific. Call me back. And then she takes more calls and she's just like smacking her gum and like rolling her eyes and just having a great old time being yeah. a switchboard operator. So in Emily's bedroom, Paige is by the window looking out. And at first I'm, I'm watching this scene. I didn't remember how the scene went initially when I was doing my notes. And I was like, it's like she's looking out amongst the busy city streets below. Well, doesn't it seem like everywhere they are in this is like in a downtownish area, like on a second floor, like looking out of the city or not even a second floor, like higher up or higher but, up. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, so I was like, I, I didn't know that I actually did. I didn't remember that from when I watched it so long ago. And I was just talking about how, like, I, in my notes, how I love this, like, dream logic of changing scenery. Mm-hmm. So Paige says, so many people in this city. So why does it feel so lonely? We see behind her, Emily's on the bed, feeling bad. Emily comes over the window and joins her, asking if she's afraid of being lonely. And Paige says, I'm afraid of being alone. Oh, and we should mention, I mean, I think it's probably, like, a mat outside the window. But, yeah, we do well, see she, just a bunch of, like, skyscrapers or, like, well, tall buildings outside. The, the well, we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, Emily says, well, I want it to happen. And Paige turns to her and she's never looked more vulnerable than she does now. She says, I'm scared. And Emily says, me too. And Paige says, well, what if people find out? And Emily says, then they will be insanely jealous of me. Paige says, of me. And Emily says, of us. Of us. And Paige is on the like verge of tears throughout this. They kiss, big romantic kiss, big swelling music, curtains the, blowing in the wind. Yeah, curtains blowing. And this is when we, we pan, over the bed with them, you know, on the other side, and we see the big city buildings with the windows behind them. Like they are these tiny people mm-hmm. with this this small story amongst this huge city. Um, but again, it's played out in the same way where 
I firmly believe that that Paige's feelings for Emily are, are true and that she's so desperate to hold on to her. I know this is obviously Spencer's interpretation of it, mm-hmm. but Emily feels more distant, like she's going through certain motions. Like I think she actually really likes Paige, but it's not nearly the same. Yeah, even Paige. in Spencer's mind, it plays out. Uh, so yeah, they make out and then we fade to the two of them in bed. Ladies uh, and slips. Yeah. Paige lays Emily down. She's on top. Emily is running a hand under Paige's bra strap. Uh, pretty hot and heavy. I mean, it's as far as, I mean, I don't think we've ever t- really seen them like in bed before. I mean, we've seen so. Spencer in bed like maybe twice, maybe three times. Uh, Aria really just once where she was really doing anything with Ezra. I think like, we don't get that many sex scenes on the show, but especially not Emily and Paige. They I don't think they really had one at all. So I think they get they get one in Emily or uh, in Spencer's imagination. I think the only actual real sex scene that we've seen, and I mean characters in the act of coitus, penetration, all that. Um, penetration being the metaphor for actual sex, I guess, because uh, it'd be different for Emily and, and blah blah blah. Um, is with uh, Spencer and Toby, like uh, after he's come back from the dead, figuratively, and Arya. I mean, I think Hannah and Caleb in the tent. Well, I mean, that's like an implied sex scene, though. But I mean, I, I mean, the actual act of sex, yeah. Um, so we cut back to Hannah's switchboard. She's calling the all-night answering service. Ah, she been so good here. She pretends that her boss is Mr. Fitzgerald, and he's lost a very important phone number. Um, it'd be an after-hours message. She hopes they kept a copy of it. Yeah, and so uh, Hannah says, it, it'd be from Allison. Could you check on that for me? And the person's like, yeah, sure, hold on a second. Spencer smiles a big smile and she says, "Sure, I'll hold." Yeah, and Spencer hold. Uh, the back interrogation room. Spencer's so coat is off now. She's settled in, listening to Toby go on. Toby, <laughs> Toby's secret. coat is off. He's he's got the suspenders going now. Secrets aren't just secrets; they're weapons. Things you keep in your pocket till you need them. He's like circling around her. I learned that from Allie. You learned the same thing. Spencer says, "I know something else. Aiden just come out of the woodwork. A monster like that, he'd have to take care of it, nurture it." That's just what Allie did. She was feeding the beast with every dirty trick, every lie she got us to tell. It all made Ace stronger. Oh my god, I love that line so much. It, like she's perfectly summed up this this who is this monster? Well, and you can tell, like, even though she doesn't know quite how to express it, she is so angry at Allison. Yeah, yeah. Because all... of all the shit they've been through and this whole time Allie's alive. And it had it how does she process the the happiness of that with the fact that all the shit they've had to deal with, you know? Well, and plus, it really fits into the theory that A stands for audience. Mm-hmm. Also, Aria. Uh, Toby sits on the table beside her and he says, you know who A is. And she says, I'm not so sure anymore. And he's like, oh, cut it, Spencer. And she says, well, first it was Mona, then it wasn't. Maybe I know, or maybe I'm just looking at another mask. And Toby says, Ali is alive. And she says, who told you that? He's like, never mind. She's alive and you know how to find her. Senator says, no, I don't. And Toby says, maybe you don't have the exact address, but you know the next step. So she's like, I've got nothing. All I've got is a book full of cruel stories and fake names and bad poetry. <laughs> oh, sick burn on your journal, Allie. You know, I was thinking, too, like Spencer, she's so angry. Like in the last episode, Arya was so angry and she wasn't sure why. And maybe it was about Mona and Mike. But that this is another possibility for her as well. Uh, it's like, how do they process these feelings that... Their friend's alive, but has possibly just completely dicked them over for the last year and a half. Well, you know, a lot of people, it's a common thing of grief and, and complicated relationships people have with, with folks in their lives is that whenever they lose somebody, they're sad that they're gone 
but they have recurring nightmares that the person's actually still alive and mm-hmm. it was all a mistake that they'll walk back into the door and it's not a joyful encounter it's terrifying yeah because they've already kind of processed but uh, maybe they wanted them you know out of their situation so toby slams his hand on the table and he says that's right you got the book why do you suppose that is since when does the devil give out free samples think about it and spencer says i don't want to think about it i'm so tired of thinking i just want to sleep uh, and she lowers her head and she's kind of crying a little and Toby finally drops his bad cop act and he kind of like pulls her out of the chair and turns her to face him. And he says, down these mean streets, a girl must go who's not herself mean. And Spencer leans in and kisses him. So, you know, I jokingly refer to this as the Dark Spencer Saga 2. And the reason why is that, like the first one, part of this string of episodes concerns Spencer questioning her identity, like her role within the group, pondering if she's living up to it, if she's failing herself for those who count on her to be Spencer fucking Hastings. I just like throughout part of this episode i kept thinking back to spencer's like group therapy session <laughs> where uh well nobody else showed up for the job yeah. but i guess i'm still spencer hastings well yeah, spencer so spencer's like basically adopting a drug addiction here yeah and stringing herself out to the very last thread because this this thing is so important she has to solve this she has to get the evidence because she can't tell Arya until she does because she can't be wrong because she's been wrong so many times before and she can't be wrong about this one but even before that though you know what i mean like like she takes it upon herself the burden she has to be the one who figures Mm -hmm. this out for them it's not so much i feel like she has to exclude her friends it's that she's she wants to take on the burden so they don't have to Mm -hmm. yeah i can see that um so music starts over that scene taking us to the rear window brew where aria's at a table aria has taken she's at the rear window brew at the bar there She's taking the toothpicks out of a jar there, and she's making a little octagon shape with them mm-hmm. on the bar. Um, this is not the first time we've seen Arya doing this. No. And that octagon shape, most memorably, is the shape of the gazebo plot, the gazebo plot, where Allie was buried alive. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting that Arya, consciously or subconsciously, keeps making this shape when Whoa. she's kind of left to her own devices. Or Spencer has Arya doing it here in this particular case. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Arya looks despondent. Spencer walks in, finding her. Spencer seems much more cheerful now. She senses something is wrong with Arya and asks if she's okay. And Arya says, if I tell you something, you promise that you won't give me the look? And Spencer's like, what look? What look? And Arya says, the Spencer look. The look you give everyone when you're really disappointed. They should have a whole episode called the Spencer look. Oh, seriously. Spencer sits down beside her, beside her a little pleased at that. And she says, oh, I didn't know I had an official look for that. Oh, you do, Arya says. And Spencer says, I'll try. And so Arya says, I've been seeing Ezra again. Really seeing him, if you know what I mean. And Spencer's like, I think so. She doesn't make eye contact, yeah. Arya says, you said it yourself. I liked Jake, but I love Ezra. I do love Ezra. Spencer's like, who are you trying to convince? And Arya says, well, everything that's happened with him and me, I don't feel like it's happened to anyone else before. (laughs) It's like, oh, wow, Arya. Oh, little dove. Have a seat. (laughs) <laughs> i feel so bad for you you're you you want to be the most adult and mature but you're secretly the most naive and Arya, young of all Arya the liars is sweet little icarus flying mm-hmm. so close to the sun <laughs> <laughs> never happened to anyone else before you just want to give her a hug yeah. it gets better are you uh and so she says and it probably wouldn't have happened to me if i hadn't walked through that one door that one time it all would have been different and who decides what door you walk through anyway 
Spencer's like, I wish I knew. And Ari's like, it's been sexy and dangerous and awful and wonderful, mostly awful. It's like a story. It was perfect. Spencer says, was perfect? You use the past tense. Ari says, I think the story's changing. And they both kind of sigh. Spencer takes a big, deep breath. And she says, Aria, there's something I have to tell you. But I'm afraid I'm going to get a lot more than just a look from you. And Aria's like, what is it? And just then, Hannah comes comes in behind them in a rush. She says, I've been leaving you message ever, everywhere. Spencer says, what happened? And Hannah says that she has found Allie. Well, then the three of them exchange period appropriate and demure. Oh, shit, looks. Mm-hmm. But I love Spencer in this scene. Like the trend sorry is so good. She goes from like caring to being a little bit silly to compassionate to just like that kind of like guilt and concern mm-hmm. about what she's about to say. So yeah, we we are outside the window now, looking into them as Hannah tells them what we can't hear, and we again hear the old timey sirens and the sounds of the deadly city. And then it's night outside the club. Is it Tokamara? Tokombo. Tokombo. Yeah, club Tokombo. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, shows nightly, N-I-T-E-L-Y. <laughs> the four liars and, come around a corner and walk. This is the- like down an alley. Yeah. Yeah. Emily, down the alley, a Emily dark says, alley, if you will. Emily says, "Here, the calls came from here." And Spencer, they're walking down the alley, and Spencer stops in front of one of these posters and says, "That's not how you spell nightly." And then she walks on. Oh, I love that they put that in there. Yeah, so they get over by the stage door. Um, and again, Arya's like, you think Allison's in there? Why? Hannah says that because someone called that number on the contact sheet from a payphone inside this club. Spencer says, sounds like Allison, hiding in plain sight and doing three shows a night. Um, Spencer goes to the door, gives it a shove, and opens it, and they all go inside. Inside the dressing room, the liars walk in. Well, so it, it should be mentioned that drawer doesn't re- lead directly to the dressing room. The door leads inside, and then they right. open another door into this dressing room area right, where there's... Right costumes and wigs and you know girly stuff all well, over the place the set design here is absolutely amazing um it does it's not even good enough that it's that aria's line barely describes it with it looks like somebody threw a hand grenade into a room full of rockets <laughs> which i love um emily doesn't think that allison could be here and Hannah says this is where the call came from so just then a, the door opens a woman comes in a blonde woman her face hidden in shadow she sees them freezes for a moment they all stare at her Unsure of what to think, terrified that it might actually be her. Finally, well, she woman, like she slowly shuts the door. Yeah, then finally the woman comes closer, her face unmasked in the light. It's Allison, and she says coldly, "Did anyone see you come in here?" She's wearing like a showgirl outfit. Spencer, yeah, it's like a like a dancing outfit. Spencer says that she doesn't think anyone saw them. Then Allison says, "Then get the hell out." <laughs> and she's like, yeah, you know, she's taking off her gloves that she was wearing and throws them away and puts on one of those big feathery boa things. Yeah. Uh, and Emily's like, Allie? And Allie's like, I told you not to come look for me. And Ari's like, well, things have changed. And Allie says, maybe for you, not for me. I mean, are you trying to get me killed? And she looks at Spencer and says, this one already tried once. Interesting. Yeah. And Spencer says, don't talk to me like that. Don't talk to us like that. And all the liars are kind of shocked by this. And Ari's like, Allie, we want you back. And Allie says, are you sure about that? I bet this one would love it if something happened to me. Like, meaning Spencer. Spencer looks hurt. Spencer has so much guilt regarding yeah. Allie. And yeah. And Ari says... Allison. Ar- Ar- really? Yeah. Allison says the way she, that way okay. she wouldn't have to worry about dropping down a second place if I came back. And Hannah says, what is wrong with you? And Allie says, aren't you sick and tired of being of her ordering you around? And Emily's like, you're way out of line. Allie, Allie says, am I, Emily? Am I really? Start <laughs> thinking for yourself. 
instead of letting Spencer think for you. Hmm. <laughs> Hard to do in a hallucination. Oh, and also uh, our, our favorite theory yeah, that they're yeah. the same person. Yeah. Uh, and Spencer says, well, maybe she's right. Maybe it's time we all started thinking for ourselves. Let's see how long he lasts without us here. And Arya says, Spencer, what are you talking about? Spencer says, you're setting us up for something. I don't know what it is, but it's a setup. And we're supposed to be some kind of decoy for you and take all the heat. But you only ever tell us what you want us to know. It's always been that way. It's but so true. has this like great smirk on her face. This kind of like hardened mask that you can't read. It's very similar to Mona's face whenever yeah. someone like, like finally talks down to her. But Allison steps back. She's ready to play. And she says, and you're different. So she's like, yeah, I'm different. I love her line reading that. Like, yeah, I'm different. It's like she's... She's finally like worked this out in her, her crazy brain. Like, yes, she is different. She's so, not Allison. So Allison will test that. She turns to Arya and says, has she told you? And Arya's like, told me what? Then Allison turns to Spencer and gives her kind of this like, your move, bitch. Look, very smug. And Spencer's like, Arya, then gunshot through the window interrupts him. They all duck. Uh, and Hannah switches off the light. Allie takes off out the door and they all follow her. Smart thinking Hannah. Mm hmm. Uh, so they're, they're running like a warehouse area. Like Allison's running, rounding corners. Yeah, it's girls like are a backroom storehouse area. Finally, Allison leads them to like a dead end of shelves and boxes. Allison tells them all to split up and go different ways. And Spencer says, to get whoever it is to follow us while you get away. Allison moves to hit Spencer. Well, she takes a swing, but Hannah sets in and blocks it. Like, she's, like she's going to slap her, you know, like open hand. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Hannah's stepping in to block it. And Hannah says, don't even think about it. And then off screen, we hear Mr. Ezra Fitz say, Arya, are you in there? Arya? They all turn. Ezra's like calling from somewhere nearby. Arya's definitely surprised. Arya's like, it's Ezra. And Spencer says, don't answer. And Arya's like, what are you talking about? It's Ezra. Well, the way she turns back so sharply at Spencer. It's like, I, I feel like in a way, again, Arya knows there's something wrong here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And Hannah says, don't let him know where, where we are. And Arya's like, she's very confused. And Allie's like, you better tell her. And Allie's like, shut up, Allie. Because well, Allison won't pass up a chance to be a real bitch. Mm -hmm. And Allie says, who sharpened your tongue, little girl? Zing. Yeah. I think it was Paige. Uh, and Ezra says, it's safe. You can come out now. I'll take care of you. Like the shit he's saying is bizarre and absurd. It, it gets worse. So uh, Arya calls out to him. She starts heading in the direction of his voice. Spencer rushes to her. Like, she's, like, she's going to stop her, but she doesn't stop her. She's now just following close behind her along with the others. Then we see the silhouette of Ezra next to large doors. There's a car behind in the foggy street. This is a very stylized image. And it's an mm -hmm. obvious homage to, I believe it's The Big Combo. It's a 1955 film directed by Joseph H. Lewis, uh, photographed by John Alton. And Ezra says, I don't know what they told you about me, but it's not it's true. Not true. <laughs> and Ellie's like, you guys going to tell her or is this supposed to be my job? And Ari says, well, somebody better tell me something. And Ezra, still like in silhouette at the you know doorway, he says, I'll keep you safe, Arya, I promise. I love you. Not no one has ever you. loved you the way I love you. Uh, nice close-up on the silhouette of Ezra. We still never see his face or his features. He's literally shrouded in the men. In yeah, it's the just tree. a black he, He's shadow. so still and menacing. And then he says, no one will ever love you the way I do, which is gross. Um, <laughs> and Spencer's like, you can't trust him. Arya's like, why? And then Spencer and Emily and Hannah, it's like they want to tell them they just can't. They swallow their tongues. They can't bring themselves to say it. And Allie's just like, no guts. <laughs> and Arya looks back at Allie and she says, I think I liked you better when you were dead. Nice. And Allie smirks. Arya walks up off towards the silhouette. 
And they just like they're not going to follow anymore. They're just going to watch this well, they, happen. They want to stop her, but they can't. So we just see this the silhouette waiting for her, not moving. Arya approaches. They milk this shot perfectly. This well, it's this tension. cool, cool high angle shot of Arya walking across the the warehouse here. Yeah. Well, so yeah, the music's perfect. Uh, as it just kind of keeps building and looping. Um, we see Arya like coming because it's the overhead shot. She's coming down to the bottom of the frame. She disappears. And like it like it's like it lingers for a minute. That's when we go to commercial. It's very menacing. After the commercial, we see that mm-hmm. overhead shot again. She gets up to the silhouetted figure. The girls are watching from afar. The silhouetted figure has something in his hand. There's a click. The other girls gasp and panic, but Arya keeps approaching. We see that it's a lighter. It brings the light to his face. It's Toby, not Ezra. Yeah, Toby's just holding the light. Like I feel like they really wanted to put a cigarette in his mouth here. They yeah. probably couldn't. Yeah. Uh, or maybe Spencer's just anti-smoking. I don't know. Uh, and Toby says, we don't have much time. I hit him hard, but I only hit him once. <laughs> and we look over, Arya looks over and like kind of behind the doors of the warehouse, we just see these like prone legs of Ezra Fitz. We don't even see his, the, like his face or anything. We just see these legs sprawled out. LOL. Arya wants to rush to Ezra, but Toby stops when the other girls rush toward him. How great would it have been if like they had like some kind of like flash game on the ABC family website where it's like a like film noir Ezra punch out for all the people <laughs> who feel betrayed by Ezra? That'd be great. So they all rush over to the car and pile in and Spencer's like, wait, where's Allie? Oh, because by the way, Allie kind of like slinked away there while that tension was going on. Zoink. You, you can actually see it happen too. Like as they're all watching the, the Aria showdown, Allie just kind of like drifts away. Uh, and Emily's like, she's gone, get in. So they all pile in and Emily's like, go. And they drive off. And now the car is like screeching around a corner now. It's like raining heavily. Arya's very quiet in the back seat, and Spencer looks back at her, and Arya, she's just like very small voice. She's like, why did Toby hit him? And Spencer can't say anything. And well, it's, like, it's small but cold. Yeah. It's very, very cold and wounded, and they can't say anything, and Emily says, Allie was right. None of us has any guts. And Toby's like, you figure it out yet? Spencer says, I wish you'd stop saying that. And he's like, have you? Because this car is just about out of gas. <laughs> Spencer says, so am I. I'm just so damn tired. And says, we're all tired, Spencer. And Emily says, figure it out so we can get on with our lives. Arya says, no matter who gets hurt. And Toby says, you're all the time talking about wanting the answer. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Spencer's like, what is that supposed to mean? Arya says, maybe you're finding out that the whole truth. Or you're afraid of finding the whole truth. And Toby says, she already has the truth. And Spencer's like, where is it? In the book? Where in the book? And Toby says, look at the pages. And Spencer gets her diary out and says, Toby says, don't look at the book, look at the pages. Spencer's like, that's the same thing. And he says, no, it's not. And uh, he's like staring right at her, not even watching the road. It's like she suddenly, she realized something. Like maybe she realized what he's saying. Mm -hmm. And then we hear the sound of brakes up ahead. Oh, yeah. A big light shines in in Spencer's face there. And a car horn wails and kind of a crash noise. And then we cut back to that same gunshot again in the Narrow Passage movie. And Spencer looks up, and it's now we're, we're back in color. She's out of her fugue state. We're back to normal time. Well, it's funny is that we cut back to Spencer's reflection first uh, mm-hmm. in the the window in front of her sink. She's wiping the hair out of her face. The distant car horn fades away. She comes back to this world. She looks so confused as she sees herself reflect in the window. Like she's confused that like, is this color world real? <laughs> she looks around the kitchen and then she goes back to the island. She picks up the diary in one hand and is holding her phone in the other. She thinks about something. And it's like uh, some sort of epiphany has just happened here. She even smiles a little. Yeah. And so cut to later, Hannah and Emily have showed up 
And Spencer says, we were supposed to find it. And Emily says, but why give the book back after going to all that trouble to steal it? And Spencer says, because it's a Trojan horse. Look, she opens the journal and says, there are changes, little changes that have to add up. Like here it says, I can't stop thinking about Ambrose Pearson. But in the picture I took in the car, it says, I can't stop thinking about Ambrose Pavilion. And she kind of shows them the difference with their phone photo. Mm-hmm. And Hannah's like, what's Ambrose Pavilion? Spencer doesn't know, but it was a big enough clue that whoever stole the book wanted to make sure they never saw it. In fact, they saw something else. And Hannah asks, you know, are all the changes like this? And Spencer says, yeah, so far, January becomes March. A cute girl becomes a cute guy. And Emily adds that uh, A thinks they won't notice because they'll think they're so smart for getting it back. Uh, Spencer points out, but A doesn't know that I have the original pages on my phone, so we have our edge back. And so Hannah's like, wait, so you're saying that Ezra left the book for us to find? And Emily says that means that he knows that they know, and so they have to tell Arya, Spencer concludes. Emily tries to call her, Arya's still not answering, and Hannah says, well then we'll sit on her porch until she gets back from Albany. And Spencer corrects with Syracuse, and then they all head out. So yeah, Arya's porch, the three, the three musketeers there show up. Hannah marches to the door, about to like kick it in or pound on it. And Emily hey, stops her. Emily's like, why don't we try and call her one more time before we wake up the whole house, which now consists of what, like Mikey? Mm-hmm. Um, Hannah walks over by the window. She happens to glance in, because she's kind of frustrated at having to wait. Happens to glance in. She sees something, calls the others over. They join her. And through the opaque, blurry window, they can see Arya and Ezra together. They well, watch. You can see that at first they're just like kind of talking to each other, smiling. Yeah. Yeah, they, then they watch in horror as Arya puts her hand on Ezra's shoulder and they kiss. Mm-hmm. And we push in on Spencer's face as she deals with this sight. Because they didn't know they were back together. Not that Arya was that, you know, secretive. But right. now they know. Now it's going to make it that much harder for Spencer to uh, get Arya, to, or well, even just to tell Arya, not even to convince her. I think Spencer was probably suspected this whole time. That's basically what the hallucination was about. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't just that, like, oh, hey, your ex-boyfriend might be A. It's that but, your ex-boyfriend slash secret current boyfriend that you OTP over. Uh, so the A tag well, of sorts. I was gonna say just before we get to that, I think the whole hallucination. I mean, we have Spencer. She's so stressed trying to like solve this mystery of Ezra. Mm-hmm. She suspects that Arya actually is back with him secretly. She right. also suspects that maybe she was involved or like is at least feeling guilty about something to do with Allison. Yeah. And there's a lot of angst in, in how she's relating to Allison right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, this episode, like, it's a great example of, like, where artistic experimentation, like, serialized mystery can mesh perfectly with character drama. Yeah, in it's fact, just like, so much fun. The character drama, like, really flourishes. Because um, I know a lot of people talk about, I've seen lately on Twitter a lot, talking about how they don't they don't even care about the mystery. They don't care who A is. They care about the characters and their story mm-hmm. and their relationships. And it's like you really get all of that beautifully here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so the A-tag, uh, black it's and white still. Pretty basic A-tag. Yeah, we go back to black and white. Uh, we're at the club. We're panning over the set design of the dressing room. Um, old-timey music's playing. It's it's really nice, like, kind of like if you case they felt like they didn't do enough showing, like, how mm-hmm. decorated that room is. Then we see, uh, taped on the mirror, the telegram from the Mercury Telemessage. It says, break a leg. Stop. Kisses. A. <laughs> oh, I love that they able to work the Atex in some way. So then it turns back into film footage, and the frame starts to, like, sputter on the reel and then burns away. 
Burns Way to Static, yeah. Uh, and that was Shadow Play. Mm-hmm. A very fun episode. I mean, you can say nothing happened this episode, but didn't so much happen this episode. Oh, I think absolutely. I mean, this nothing really happens in like uh, Grave New World, mm-hmm. but it doesn't happen nearly as beautifully as it does here. Really? Yeah. Oh, um, it's just it, it. This it's such a it's like an exploration of the characters all filtered through Spencer's mind. Um, and it's just so much fun. Like the, they do the, the Nor homage so well. It's like so expertly done. Yeah. And so, um, oh, poor Spencer, who, you know, as you said, like she's strung herself out for the nature of this mystery and her guilt and all of her various issues with this stuff. And to the point where she's, you could say, like in a bit of a free fall. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Oh, and it's like she's, she's got to the point where like, the thing, like, she would normally just, like, accuse Ezra, like, immediately. That's what she always does. Mm-hmm. But she can't do that this time, and it's just, it's killing her. Yeah. And now, it just, like, the stakes got even worse, because as she kind of suspected, Arya and Ezra are together. So, convincing Arya is going to be that much harder. Even saying it to Arya is going to be that much harder. Like, getting up the nerve. Like, mm-hmm. they, she couldn't even do it in her dream. She could never bring herself to tell Arya right. about Ezra. Oh, this is a great episode. It really is. A, like, every time I screen cap this, it just looked beautiful and amazing. Um, and the next episode itself is a lot of fun, too. Yes, it's called Freefall. Mm-hmm. S4E20. So you know it's going to be good. Uh, written by Maya Goldsmith, directed by Melanie Mayron. Oh, hey, Melanie Mayron's back. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that is what we will be talking about next time. If you want to get in contact with us, you can go to our Twitter. It's at broswatchpll2. By the way, did you happen to see that there's a... Uh, I don't know who's doing this. I don't know if it's you or not. But uh, there's a like a, a broswatchpll2 fans. Oh, yeah, I did see that. That's pretty funny. You see that? That's pretty cool. Yeah, thank you, whoever that is. Also, I <laughs> wanted to say to uh, Natalie, um, thank you for showing us a picture of your I don't do mornings sleep mask. It's nice that you're in simpatico with uh, Emily and her allergic to mornings. I've tried so many sleep masks, I can never get used to wearing them. Really? Sleep masks, mm-hmm. huh? Well, because I used to work at graveyard shift. That's so, true. Yeah. So as opposed to like blackout as, curtains? Yeah. It's, uh, as a vampire, it's hard to block out the light when you're trying to sleep. Hmm. Indeed. Um, so yeah, broswatchpl 2 is our Twitter. It's also our website page, broswatchpl2.com. Uh, you can go there and leave a comment, theoretically. It seems to work for some people, possibly not for others. Um, Twitter's always an easy way to get a hold of us. Also, uh, if you really like the episode, you can always head on over to iTunes and rate or review us. Uh, we got another rating. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Up cool. to 26 five-star ratings. That's pretty impressive. Uh, people seem to like us, so that's cool. Thank you so much. Indeed. Uh, any any last thoughts? No, just uh, love this episode. Looking forward to the next one. All right. Yeah, we're getting into the home stretch of 4B here. And, uh, yeah, it's picking up. So we'll be back next time to talk about that. See you then. Bye-bye.